Welcome into another edition of the Alligator Sports Podcast. I am your host, Michael Hall. We have a great show for you today featuring Jordan Perez, a former Alligator writer and now a contributor for the Fire Pit Collective um, covering all things college golf. So I talked with Jordan all about both men's and women's golf team here at UF. Uh, we go way in depth. She really knows her stuff. It's a really awesome interview. Um, make sure to check it out. Taking a look around the Gator Nation, um, UF football got back in the win column, beating Eastern Washington 52-17. to Quarterbacks Anthony Richardson and Jalen Kitna combined for nearly 400 yards through the air in three touchdowns. Florida soccer lost to the South Carolina Gamecocks 1-0 while the men's and women's golf teams both participated in tournaments this past weekend. Um, The men's golf team went out to the Ben Hogan Collegiate Invitational in Fort Worth. It came in a tie for ninth, but Fred Biondi shot six under par in the final round, the tournament best. Meanwhile, the women's team went up to the Windy City Classic in Chicago and finished in 12th place. And now, here's my interview with Jordan Perez. Uh, Jordan? Thank you so much for uh, for joining us on the Alligator Sports Podcast. I really appreciate you taking taking a few minutes out of your day to uh, to talk some Gator golf with me. Hey, Michael, thanks for having me on. I mean, I always love to talk some Gators golf, and what better way to do it on uh, Homecoming Week? <laughs> exactly, it's it's the perfect time. Um, so, kind of looking at, we're going to talk a little bit of the men's team, a little bit of the women's team, um, kind of cover all our bases. I'm going to start on the men's side of things. Uh, Fred Biondi is incredible. He has gone from a rotational piece in the lineup to the number one ranked golfer on the PGA Tour University Velocity Global Rankings. Uh, what do you think has kind of contributed to his? rapid rise and where do you think he can go from here i saw we're recording this on tuesday he shot six under today in um their most recent round that's the exact kind of thing you can expect from fred biondi honestly and i mean i i when i when he comes to mind i'm like what there are not enough good things you can say about him as a competitor as a golfer and just as a person in general um Fred's rapid rise, like you mentioned, I mean, is was so night and day. And he was recruited by JC, who has an incredible eye for talent. I I mean, I I always wonder how the cohesion of this group comes together. You know, he knows how to bring the right personalities together and the right talents together. And Fred is a testament to that. Um Fred was a guy that was not getting those starts, was exactly right. That rotational piece that just wasn't um, just wasn't a core guy of this group. And something really clicked around this time last year because I talked to JC about Fred and he just had a complete mindset shift where he was so results oriented, just getting so bogged down with the results. I mean, this was a guy in his sophomore year, he didn't have a finish that was better than a tie for 15. And so Fred really turned it on and he just had an explosive junior year. I mean, not only on the college trail, 
um, which is a lot of what the PGA Tour U rankings draw from, but also on the amateur side too. He was the runner-up at the Latin America Amateur Championship, which for those of you who aren't familiar, is a ticket to the Masters. Um, not runner-up, but to win that tournament. Though That is a such a prestigious event. Um, always tough venues, always such deep, deep fields. And Fred was a big part of that. Um, he was the stroke play co-medalist at the U.S. Amateur. Um, there were four co-medalists, which was a record at the USAM. And um, I wasn't surprised to see Fred up there. I mean, he, JC said that Fred has always had it. And it's true. You watch him and he plays an extremely natural game of golf. But he that breakthrough, when he let go of the results, he really turned it on and just started playing his best golf. Yeah, he really did. I mean, he had two victories last spring, including tying the tournament record at the Gator Invitational with 14 under. I mean, qualified for the U.S. Open. Like, there's not much more you can say besides that. Um, and he's not the only golfer on this Gator team with major experience. You look at um, guys like Ricky Castillo, who qualified for the U.S. Open a few years ago, and uh, Yushin Lin, who qualified for the Open Championship. Uh, what do those two specifically bring to the table this year now that they're in their senior years here and leaders on this team? Yeah, I think Yushin in particular is an interesting player because he has just had so much experience in international events and majors specifically. I mean, it, you look at his resume, I mean, like you said, um, Yushin just, just turns it on. And I, I mean, early into his career at Florida, I think he's been consistent. He's a consistent enough piece to be in the lineup frequently. I believe he was he was named to one of the teams last this year, early in the spring, was a core piece of the SEC championship team. But namely last year, he was a pretty big impact as well. Um I'd like to see a little more consistency from him, but overall, I mean, he has just been an incredible, incredible addition to this team as far as a foundation and accounting score. Um, again, you have a guy that's won the Asia Pacific Amateur Championship, which it like the Latin American Amateur Championship is that direct ticket to the Masters. So that is plenty kudos to his experience and the type of golf he's played. Ricky, on the other hand, Ricky was a recruit for those of you who aren't familiar that JC had recruited from when he was basically, I want to say a young kid. I think he JC had been originally recruiting his brother and he met Ricky and he just absolutely loved Ricky. And for reference, I mean, Ricky's older brother, Derek, they nowhere near um, the same age, but um, eventually Ricky followed JC to Florida. And so Ricky's time at Florida has been prosperous, but it's not been without its struggles as well. And I think um, if you look at the results last season, especially in the spring, you would kind of think, okay, like things are mostly going right, but he wasn't playing the golf that he wanted to. He got a pretty down on himself. Um, I remember uh, the US Amateur story came out that he just was simply not happy with playing golf um because he wasn't winning and again yeah. he is a natural born competitor just i mean just a fiery fiery kid i mean I, I feel like sometimes it's like if you watch him play especially in a match play event um you'll see full poker face the whole time until you'll see a fist pump from something cool there's a really 
specific moment from uh, the Walker Cup last year that comes to mind. But um, yeah, I mean, he he is, you know, as elite as it gets. And he's also ranked on that PGA Tour U list as well, which um, all, which I don't know if we talked about this earlier, but it kind of allows these on the men's side, these players to be able to have some type of tour status, uh, corn tour and below, um, depending on where they rank at after the national championship, uh, after their senior year. So once you declare to be in this list, that's kind of saying, okay, I'm going to turn professional after this year. And they, their college events and PGA tour starts if they do get any, um, and I believe if they play in any of the majors count towards this and they start counting it in your junior year. So that was a critical time for Ricky, but now I think he he's doing his best to turn it around. I think he had a really good showing at the U S amateur took a lot of time over the summer off from golf. And um, he is certainly going to be a big factor. And I think what I think what's been really cool about this team in particular, like I said, is a credit to JC Deacon's recruiting Um he has really recruited a group of guys that, you know, maybe a year or two ago, you maybe outside of Ricky Yushin and Joe Pagden, nobody was really thinking about. And in a matter of a year or so, I mean, we've seen so many breakout players from Fred, John Dubois, who won his first tournament as an SEC champion and yeah. pretty much helped Florida get to the SEC championship for the first time in its program history. So I think the well-roundedness of this team right now is probably the most dangerous part. Um, they opened this fall up with a win, which was great. It that That's a great note to start on. Um, this week at the Ben Hogan, that's a deep, deep field. And I was looking at the results. And like you said, Fred came out with um, the best round of today with that 64. Um, but it was a little tougher on the rest of the guys. But yeah. if I look at all of the teams that have finished right ahead of Florida, these are all teams that could very well be could very well win the national championship. It was a upcoming field. Definitely. Yeah. So it's, it, it, you know, it is. That that wealth of talent and you know between playing all over in Texas, I mean, those are factors that all all come into play. So I I still think there's so much left for this Florida team, and I I think they like the challenge. I think they like their backs against the wall, as we've clearly seen from some of these breakout guys. Yeah, you mentioned some of those breakout guys. I mean, John Dubois is currently 20th on those PGA Tour U rankings. Yushin is 21, Ricky 16. Like they have a lot of talent up and down this roster. Um, you also mentioned Joe Pagden, who I wanted to ask you about. Um, he's kind of struggled a bit since winning um, SEC Freshman of the Year two years ago. He's yet to appear in a lineup this season. Have you kind of seen or heard anything from him or about him and maybe what he can do to kind of get back to where he was his freshman year? I think that's going to be quite the challenge. Um, like you said, I mean, this was a guy who was a lineup staple, was recruited to be one of J.C. Deacon's core guys and has now virtually become someone who isn't isn't qualifying, isn't making these these weeks on on 
the fall schedule and even in and even some in the spring. So it's been an interesting disappearance. And it's unfortunate to see that he has struggled so mightily. Um, you know, he I also didn't see him at the U.S. Amateur this year. Um, I don't I don't believe that he did play. But there's like about 312 competitors. Um, and I might even have that number wrong. because It's always hard to think <laughs> of the exact number. But um, yeah, didn't play uh, the U.S. Amateur this year, which I think is an ordinary stop for him. Um, yeah. And even just the results outside of college, you know, not making those lineups, sometimes it's really hard to quantify just how a player was doing. Um, but on the amateur side too, he just hasn't really, he's, he's, he's lost it a little bit and, um, you know, hasn't had anything, hasn't had a top five since, um, gosh, like late to 2021. So it's been about a year since he's really seen any success and i i hope he find how he can find it again and i hope you know there's a new life in his golf game but i know under jc you know like we mentioned these guys love their backs against the wall they love to try to find new ways to get better and jc is going to be the one to push them and be there for them and help them figure that out and so i think joe can do the same thing yeah, I agree. I I hope he can figure it out too. I've talked to him a few times. He's a super competitive, super, super nice, nice guy. So hoping he can figure things out. And then one of the kind of breakout people who really started breaking out towards the end of last year was Quentin DeBove, um, who has started off great this year as well. He had two top 15 individual finishes in Florida's first three um, before the Ben Hogan this week. Um, how can he continue to build off of, he had a great end to the year last year. I believe he had a very good, um, sec championship from, if I'm remembering that correctly, then a great start to the 2022 season as well. Yeah. Quentin has also been an emergent force and I think he is a player to watch out for. Um, he is on the cusp of getting that big, big win. I just think it, all needs to really click for him. And uh, I was really impressed. Uh, he actually played um, a qualifier um, up in North Florida. I'm trying to remember uh, for the U.S. Amateur. And I believe if he I, he he might have meddled, but he was one of the few qualifiers taken from that to qualify for the U.S. Am, which is, I think is a huge turning point in his career, honestly, because that is a difficult tournament to qualify for um and yeah a nice top five to open the season up i i think he is someone to watch out for you know on the amateur side he has seen that success and i think that always translates really nicely over to the college side um and i think he's going to do his best and i as proven fight for that final spot in the lineup to be that guy i mean he was he showed up at the top as the as the top qualifier this or i'm sorry top of the lineup this week so which can always shift depending on where the coach places qualifications etc um so i i think he's going to fight to solidify that fifth spot yeah i agree and then like we were talking about this is kind of an experienced group now that I would say relatively underperformed compared to expectation last year, obviously coming in 11th place in the national championship tournament is not bad by any means. Um, and like you were saying earlier, they've started out well this year. 
Uh, how far do you think this Florida men's team can go? What do you think kind of their ceiling is as we continue throughout the season? I think this team is finding more of their identity than they ever have. Um, or I mean, ever have brother as this specific group. I think this group has more of an identity than they previously had. Um, there are a lot of, there are a lot of great players to rely on when one guy is maybe not the counting score that they thought he was going to be. And another guy can, can pick it up. And I think that's going to be their biggest strength. Once again, the explosiveness of some of these breakout players has been really remarkable. And I think with a little more consistency, I think they will absolutely make match play at the national championship. They, they will go and they will, you know, essentially prove maybe, maybe some doubters wrong because I know that's been, that's been tough, you know, like cleaning things up and, um, you know, making it, at the end of the season. Uh, but, um, I think this team, like I, like I said, um, has more of an identity than ever is more self-aware. They have that experience between Fred and Ricky being seniors and knowing exactly, exactly what they're doing. Same with Yushin. I mean, just, they, I, I think the experience is really going to take them over the top and let's not forget I, it's very, it, this is really, it's just almost kind of funny to me. This team has 15 players total on its roster, 15, like very talented golfers, mind you. And this is like the small sample of just how good these guys are. And so, you know, is it, it's going to be the last we see of this, of most of this group, but I really think they could pull something special off uh, when it, when it comes close to uh postseason. Yeah, I agree. It'll be interesting to watch. Obviously, they have a few more tournaments coming up. Next up will be the Islesworth Collegiate um, over in Windermere. And then they'll continue on until – and that'll be their last tournament of the fall, and then they'll go into the spring. Um, looking towards the women's team, uh, Maisie Filler just continues to produce. She was named All-SEC second team last season – she came in an individual second place finish at the Memorial Invitational this year. What about her game stands out to you and how good can she be? Maisie is a really effective scorer. She has a really great composure on the golf course, plays it just a great game. Um, you know, this week she and Annabelle really held it down. And I think, that becomes somewhat thematic just with, given her and Annabelle's experiences. Um, but Maisie, Ma Maisie's a fantastic player. And I think we haven't seen, we just haven't seen everything from her just yet, but that this team is going to need rel to rely heavily on her and her effectiveness. Um, it's they've, they've, they've seen better, better days. Uh, this has not been the start that they wanted this fall. Um, but Maisie, Maisie has been a bright spot in that. I think, you know, she's been a lineup staple pretty much ever since she got to Florida, um, was such a highly recruited player, had that experience, um, at an LPGA event this year. And so I think those are the kind of things that, that that's, that's the invaluable kind of experience, um, that you can't trade. And to me, I think, uh, Maisie being in that position 
and being relied on as a scorer is only going to make her keep producing more. Um, I don't, I don't think this is, I don't think we've seen all Maisie Filler can give. She is such a good, good striker of the ball. And I'm, I'm excited to see what else she can do. Yeah, I agree. And then you mentioned uh, the team kind of having to rely on her and Annabelle Fuller, who's now a senior. What does Fuller bring as not only a player, but also a leader to an already experienced group? I believe, yeah, four of their seven players are either seniors or fifth years. So what what does Annabelle bring both as a player on the course and as a leader off of it? This is a critical year for Annabelle. She is turning professional after the senior year. She's not using her COVID year. So this is going to be a pretty critical year for her and her golf game. Um, I just a few times I've watched her this year. I watched her at the Augusta National Women's Amateur and the Curtis Cup. Um, She is such an electric putter. I mean, just phenomenal. And I think her leadership outside of it, she has a fantastic personality. She's very warm. She's extremely kind, and all of her teammates know it. Um, just such a sweet, nice person. And I, you know, I know she she can look up from the experience of the Curtis Cup. Obviously, that didn't really go the way that she had hoped. Um, and I think this final season of college golf, you know, like Maisie, she will be so heavily relied on. Um you know, but Annabelle has it. She has been, she has a wealth of international experience. Like I mentioned with the Curtis cup, um, just such a good player, such a mature, such a, such, such a great leader. And I think, um, I think knowing the position that she's in, I think she can really lead this team to good places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you mentioned again, just like the, maturation and maturity on this team what advantage does that give to a golf team because obviously you look at team sports like football or basketball having experienced people on the roster can be really beneficial how does that play into for people who may not be as familiar with collegiate golf how does how does having experienced players on a roster contribute to overall success what advantage does that play I think, first of all, you know, your system, you know, you're comfortable. There's no, obviously there's no, there's no hard adjustments. You know what the program wants, you you know, it's philosophies, but you also know you're familiar with the schedule. Schedules tend not to really change too much uh, year by year. So, you know, the stops, you know, the teams that you're frequently seeing and who you're going to be matched up with. Um, And so I think that can be, invaluable to younger players and to freshmen who may are getting the starts and may not feel as comfortable or first year players who are just not feeling like they've quite got the hang of it just yet. Um, It's being in that role is critical. And I think for someone like Annabelle, who has seen the top of elite college golf and elite amateur golf at large, that that's invaluable because there are not many players in the world of amateur or college golf who can say that they've played uh, the Augusta national women's amateur three times or have made right. uh, three different Curtis cup teams. Uh, so she, I mean, she knows it all and she's so humble about it too. So that's, that's a great person to look up to. And it's, it's true. Those seniors that having that balanced team and having like 
having a senior or or another senior or two is such a great rock to kind of rely on someone who's been with the program from the start. And that's Annabelle. She fits that perfectly. Um, and then you talked about kind of how this may not be the season that the women's team is really hoping for. Obviously, they have Annabelle and Maisie and they kind of have to rely on them. What do you think are some realistic expectations for this team as they have one more tournament in the fall and then heading into the spring season starting in February? Where should fans be kind of looking for places that they can have success and kind of their overall expectations as the season gets rolling? I think we'll see a lot more positive results in the spring, honestly, because that 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 spring schedule is pretty based in the Southeast. That fall slate is really tough. Um, And this week is a perfect example. Windy city classic, they finished 12th out of all the other out of 15 teams. Um, That's a really disappointing finish for a team like Florida who was in the sec championship finals, like the men's team. Um, You know, they missed the national championship last season by a single stroke. And so I think they entered the season probably with a little bit of a chip on their shoulders and they really wanted to see some production. Um, but there's been a lot of changes. Um, namely, I we didn't talk about this part. I think this one was really important, but the assistant coaching role shifted. Uh, Beth Wu, an Epson tour player uh, who pretty much closed the chip, closed the book on her professional golf career, uh, took over for Janice Olivencia, who took the head coaching job in Miami. Um, that's been a big change for these players as well. And I think Beth has actually infused a pretty good energy into this team. She's uh, close in age with these, a lot of these players, um, is just a really positive ray of sunshine. And it's funny, she's always posting uh, Instagram stories of going on uh, ice cream trips with um the team. So I think, think that alone has been a really good, um, really good burst of energy. Um, but it's a tough fall slate. Uh, their next event is in Stanford, California, which once again, not the same conditions that they're used to. Um, Bostic is Bermuda all over this is Stanford golf club. It's the complete reverse. Then again, they have another event, um, no, I'm sorry. Stanford wraps up the fall and then they open up spring in California. But after that, it's a pretty Southeast heavy schedule. And I think they will absolutely thrive. Um, but um, these are, these are growing pains. These are challenges. And I think every team goes through it, especially with some new faces. Um, Taylor Roberts, who had redshirted um, when she got to Florida is just getting her first few starts. Um, and Caroline Tuttle, a freshman is also just trying to um, get a hold of college golf. Uh, both talented players, especially in um, Florida amateur golf, but they they are just trying to find some cohesion, find some identity, and I think I think they will in no time because once again, the experience of players like Maisie, like Annabelle, and um, like Marina Escobar, who we actually who we did mention, um, can really can really yield some positive results. Yeah. And I mean, Marina had a solid season last year. Obviously she's a senior as well. Um, Jordan, those are all the questions I had. Um, Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk to me. Um, If you want to let the people know where they can find you and find your work. Sure. So 
Um, you can find me on Twitter at J. So it's my it's my first and last name, but with all the vowels taken out. So it's J R D N P R Z. Uh, that's where I typically tweet out all my work or, you know, sometimes streams of consciousness because it's not always about sports, unfortunately. But um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Um, but uh, a lot of my work is also on firepitcollective.com. Um, we've got amateur pros, up and coming pros, you name it, all that type of coverage. Um, and we've got a great series called The Grind that is coming out pretty soon um, that talks about uh, the ascension through the life of professional golf, which I think everybody should check out. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Make sure to follow Jordan on Twitter, follow Fire Pit Collective. They have a really awesome collection of uh, stories of not only up-to-date news, but more feature stories on collegiate golfers that are really awesome. Um, so make sure to go read some of those. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much again. Thanks for having me. It's always great to, it's always great to connect and always great to be around the alligator. My best semester was spent at the alligator. So I'm very happy to be back. Absolutely. Thanks again. Thank you. Once again, thank you to Jordan for for hopping on the podcast and really just breaking all of Florida golf down. It was an awesome talk. Um, Again, make sure to follow her on Twitter at J-R-D-N-P-R-Z. That's Jordan Perez without the vowels. And follow the Fire Pit Collective. Um, They're doing really, really awesome stuff over there. Anything you would want for college golf, amateur golf, they've got you covered. Um, and now let's take a look at what's upcoming around the Gator Nation, starting with football. Florida hosts Missouri on Saturday at noon. Um, meanwhile, Florida volleyball travels up to Knoxville to take on the Tennessee Volunteers um, today, tonight at 7. And then they will come back to Gainesville to play the LSU Tigers at home on Saturday. Meanwhile, Florida soccer plays Arkansas Thursday at 6 p.m. and Mizzou on Sunday at 2 p.m. That's the show. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Again, thank you to Jordan. Can't thank her enough. And we will see you next week. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the alligator.